Hey everyone, this is Jess. Early in this episode, I refer over and over again to Brian Wilson, who I meant to talk about was Dennis Wilson, who actually had a relationship with Charlie Manson, not Brian Wilson. I apologize for my screw up, and I hope you enjoy this episode. basement i'm jessica hannah and i'm adrian hannah and today we're going to talk about charlie manson because today charlie manson died actually yesterday he died today we heard all about it and i want to talk about charlie because he's actually the reason that i am a true crime geek i would say he's probably the reason that most true crime people are true crime geeks that's a hard phrase to say True crime geek. That's why I, I don't particularly care for that term because it's kind of stupid. But yeah. I'm into true crime because when I was in high school, I read Helter Skelter and it hooked me. So Helter Skelter was written by Vincent Bugliosi, who was the, I'm saying that wrong too, Bugliosi, I think is how it, how it said. And he was the prosecutor during the family in Manson trials. Yeah, I, I think I'd say that, that out of all of the murdery type serial killer folks that are out there that that people have written about and made TV shows and movies about I think Charles Manson is like the most prominent of them all um I mean like coming from coming from the background of not being a a true crime geek um <laughs> I uh, I I do in fact know who Charles Manson is I don't know much about him I just know he killed a bunch of people back in like the 60s and everyone talks about him and he's the dude with the swastika carved into his forehead well you have a couple of things there even just that that you just said that are very important to us to clarify because charles manson for the crimes that he's most n- known for he didn't commit murder he just got people to do it he was a cult essentially a cult leader but not really because it was would you say that he's a Master manipulator. Yes. Everybody drink. Excuse us. <laughs> Charles Manson. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> For a little bit of background, I don't think we've ever talked about this before. We've definitely talked about this. I don't. Before. I don't know that I've ever actually explained the drink aspect of it. Um, master manipulator is a term that is used more often in true crime documentaries. And when I say documentaries, I mean like discovery, you know, ID discovery and all that stuff. Um, the people they get to talk about the personalities of people who kill are not very, um, creative in their explanations for manipulative people. If a person has killed somebody or gotten somebody to kill for them, they are more often than not described as a master manipulator. And you would be surprised. I mean, maybe not, because if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably watched these shows, you've probably heard these explanations, you've probably, you know, rolled your eyes pretty hard at Candace Along and a couple other people. I know I have. Who simply just use master manipulator all the time to to describe 
anyone who manipulates somebody else into doing something or manipulates somebody into marrying them, and as in, is in the case with women who kill their husbands, blah, 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 blah. Um, but in the case of Charlie Manson, I would say that he is absolutely a master manipulator. And I know that there's probably a more creative way to say it. Um, but I think for the case of just like the original master manipulator in, in the lifetimes of our, our parents, he would have to be Charlie Manson. And the reason that he was so good at manipulating is because he spent his formative years. And I, when I say formative years, I mean like from 12 on in the prison system, essentially. I mean, at first, of course, it was the juvenile prison system. And then, of course, it was the adult prison system once he got to a certain age. Yeah. Uh, that's where he learned to play guitar, actually. Yeah, I yeah. believe that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. This, I, I'm, I'm, I'm basically expending all of my my facts about uh, Charles Manson like right up front. But uh, he, uh, uh, he learned guitar, um, which I'm sure is going to come up later. Uh, but he, he learned how to play guitar from uh, the uh, record holder for longest uh, lasting prisoner of Alcatraz. Like the guy was served the longest prison sentence in, in the history of Alcatraz and taught, Charles Manson how to play guitar really yeah I didn't know that is that what you were looking at before no oh uh I that's interesting well he was all he also learned how to manipulate people he also learned that life fucking sucks mm-hmm. I would imagine I, so, I would imagine that that is a valuable lesson to learn in prison <laughs> he learned how to pimp people out too which is a really interesting thing and I think that that's part of the manipulation yeah I was gonna say I feel like that that kind of falls into the the category of master manipulator. Apparently he had, um, when he was a teenager, I think he started to be put in with the older guys and guys who'd been in jail for a while. And of course he had, even after he was a teenager, he was, I, I don't have any notes on this. I'm basically just winging this episode and I hope, I don't, I'm going to get information wrong because of that. Um, uh, I do know though that he basically asked a lot of questions of the other criminals while he was in prison because that was and that was his education that's charlie manson was never going to be a stand-up guy he was raised in the prison system he was raised by guys who were way worse than he'd ever be or way worse than he could have been if he had just gotten out when he was 13 14 and in a system that was already kind of set up to to for everyone to fail there was no rehabilitation in the 40s and 50s because Charlie Manson was born in 1934. So the first time he went to went to jail, he was 12, which means that's like 46, 47, somewhere in there. And so that's that's not a, an ideal age to be – first of all, 12 isn't an ideal age to be already going to a juvenile right. facility. And second of all, it's not a really great age – the age itself, 1947, was not really a great time for prison systems. I mean, that's why they do stories on how shitty people were treated. They do stories uh, both in prisons and in mental institutions at that time. You weren't really thought of as a person. You were thought of as a thing. You know, let's get you in and get you out. I mean, well, you, were a, you were a statistic that needed to be fixed. Yeah, but not. And but, so, so by the way they fixed it was by just shoving everybody shoving into. into a prison. And then once you're in prison, you know. Hands wrung, problem solved. That's kind of similar to now, too. So he, when he was older, he started asking the guys, you know, how to pimp women out. 
Um, he started asking them how to be a better because I think he was a thief. He was a bad thief, clearly, because he kept getting caught. <laughs> um, but he, I think he was a thief. So he just got a lot of ideas about how to be a better criminal. Um, and so when he was released in, like, the summer of 1967 or something like that. Oh, he, two years off. Yeah, he was essentially um, he was essentially the only education he had, the only information he had about the world was crime. From the school of hard knocks? From the school, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he walked out into this world of hippies. I mean, it's the age of free love. It's the age of, you know, a bunch of crazy shit is happening that he would have never been a part of when he was younger. Um, well, that we know of. That we know of. Yeah. Um, and he basically thought, oh, well, let me go check out this 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 free love free thing. love situation. And he and as Adrian said, he had learned how to play guitar. And he wanted to be a musician. That was his his actual goal was to be a musician. And I have, so, so he was he was that jerk at the party that always showed up with his acoustic guitar. To my understanding, absolutely. Charlie Manson was a massive douche, massive douche. But he was a massive douche who had drugs, and women like drugs and guitar players and guitar players. So win win. And guys who know how to pimp women. And that's he basically got women to do whatever he wanted because he made them love him because they thought he was cooler than what he was, essentially. And through this musician drug, being an older guy, he went after girl and he went after girls who were in their teen teen years. I mean, this is a Ray, Roy Moore motherfucker, you know. <laughs> The Charlie Manson triple threat. Uh, <laughs> he's going after 16-year-olds. He's going after girls who have run to to the Berkeley area. We're talking. We're, we are talking that San Francisco free love sort of time when everybody's running there. They want to be there because that's the cool place to be. So kids are running away from home from the Midwest, from the East Coast, from the South. They're coming into Berkeley and into this area in waves, and not all of them are very smart. And well, not all. Yeah, they all moved to San Francisco with no plan, just to be part of that whole hate Ashbury movement. Yeah, but they also, some of them came because they had no other no other place to go. So some of these women were already gonna be susceptible to manipulation by a person who absolutely wanted to manipulate and wanted to get laid. Let's not let's not pretend like Charlie Manson didn't want to get laid. He knew how to do. He knew how to talk to people to get them to want to fuck him. And he also knew that if he had a bunch of girls around him, that the industry, the music industry, would probably like that. Right. And so with drugs, with women, he would go to these industry parties. And this is where he met uh, Brian. Jesus, I can't remember his last name now. Wilson. Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys and Terry Melcher. Pulled that, pulled that one out of my ass. That's okay. The Beach Boys only have one set of brothers and it was the Wilsons. So there you go. He took a shot in the dark and it worked out. <laughs> and he also met Ter- Terry Melcher, who was a producer or, yeah, he was a producer, I think. And they had, they kind of, they liked Charlie. I don't think there was a sense at first that he, that when they first met him, I don't think that they didn't like him because the Beach Boys did cover one of his songs. I don't think it was ever this a is, hit. This is where the, the, what I thought was the one and only fact that I knew about Charlie Manson comes into play. And 
I can't verify this, but I know that I have heard somewhere in the recent past that uh, the reason that Brian Wilson knew who he was and why Brian Wilson like started like looking at his music and like trying to help him like become or like give him that 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 in for the music business was because he played he played studio guitar for for the Beach Boys. And ba- well, I I say for the Beach Boys, he played studio guitar for the studio that they used to record whatever album they were working on and he happened to be the guitarist that they brought in to fill in whatever. And so so he got used a bunch in that studio and got known as, you know, that guitar guy that everyone uses. Not as a a particularly notable guitarist, but you know, well good enough that like if you needed somebody to in a pinch you could call you could call good old Charlie and he'd come into the studio and play. Well, I think that I don't know if that's true, to be honest. Exactly. That's, but that's I do know saying. that that you called Charlie to bring you drugs to the to the recording well, studio. There's that too. Which I mean, maybe they let him play guitar on a few albums. Maybe. Right. But I don't. Well, think I'm saying a, like not. It we was, would all know about that. I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm saying not necessarily for like the Beach Boys, but like he got known at that particular studio as like a pickup guitarist. Maybe, but I think it's more likely that they just called that they called him a pickup guitarist, but really he was the guy they called when everybody needed drugs. True. true. <laughs> but they were. But the problem is, is that they kept on promising Charlie that if he kept coming around and he kept hanging around Uh and i think that brian wilson was the worst of it i think that there was more of a like he was like hey yeah we'll get you know how like you see this in movies all the time where the guy's like yeah we're totally gonna we're totally gonna record an album with you charlie we're totally gonna record an album with you i i see i always felt like that whole the whole situation with with brian wilson was more of a he thought that charlie manson was cooler no he just wanted to fuck the girls right that's what if you read about Brian Wilson, he was a fucking idiot and an asshole and not a very – I mean, I don't think that the Wilson brothers were real stand-up guys to begin with. But I think Brian was a hardcore drug addict. Okay. And also he – okay, I'd like to definitely correct myself because I definitely said it was Brian Wilson. It was not Brian Wilson. It was Dennis Wilson who passed away um, in 1983. Um I refuse to apologize for my actions because I don't know any better. I do know better, but I always think Brian, and it's not Brian, it's Dennis. Dennis Wilson, not Brian Wilson. And anyway, so Dennis Wilson was kind of a nice looking guy. He was a he was a beach guy. He was a surfer guy. And so the girls, I think, liked him. I mean, he wasn't, I don't think he, all the girls liked him, but enough of the girls liked having him around. Plus, they liked having a beach boy around, I assume, because I would they imagine, were yeah. pretty fucking famous at the time. Well, plus, you know, when you got somebody like Charlie Manson who can make the girls that are hanging around him do basically whatever he wants, if he wants Dennis Wilson to hang out and feel cool, he can make them go and hang out and make him feel cool. I also think he brought them food and, you know, because they were they were like they were okay if you aren't familiar with the the way that kind of hippie communes were in the 60s they didn't work these weren't people who went and had jobs right these are people who scrounged and begged and maybe occasionally picked up a shift on the side of the road selling their body for these girls and maybe took a like for the guys took a job in the in L.A. to doing, like, some sort of busboy work or something. Well, like, the thing with the hippie hippie commune is, like, it was supposed to be, like, all, like, 
free love and like we self-sufficient, self-sufficient kind of thing so so like i feel like like some of them had to have worked because like they actually figured out what the shit they were doing so it's like okay so we're gonna b- make a farm and we're actually gonna have a farm and whatever but that's not well they lived on they lived on a ranch they lived yeah. on a it was called um uh it was called i know this i totally know this it's, it's called the spawn ranch Okay. That's where they were living for the majority of this time. I mean, this is only a two-year time span. So it, they they hopped around a little bit, but then eventually they ended up on the Spawn Ranch, which they really, I think they were there for at least a year. I don't, I couldn't tell you for sure. Again, I'm sorry for the inconsistencies in this episode. You're just going to have to move with me. I just kind of want to get something out about Charles Manson. And I think you're probably right. I think some of them did have some sort of skill but for the most part, we're talking about teenage girls. Right. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not at all talking about like like Charlie Manson's okay, crew. I'm so, talking about like in general, like with with communes. I yeah, feel I like, guess you're probably right. The hippie communes usually were self sufficient. The good ones. The right. ones where it was truly about peace and love and freedom and things like that were nice places to live, probably. For the mo- for the most part at first, and then if they fell apart, they fell apart. Right. Um, but when we're talking about the family and the, the Spawn Ranch, we're not talking about a particularly self-sufficient place to live. Um, but that's, at first, not a problem. The girls are willing to go out and do what they've got to do. I mean, I'm sure people did. I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure there were jobs happening, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like a consistent job thing. It was probably had a lot to do with helping pick wine grapes or some shit like that, you know, like where it's seasonal work or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Charlie, like I said before, very badly wanted to make an album. And he was given studio time, but the studio time went very badly. I'm not sure how how it went badly, but I think my, my understanding of it is, is that either Charlie wasn't as talented as what the producers would have liked to have him been, or the girls were such a problem because Charlie brought the girls everywhere. Right. They were always there. And they were teenage girls, constantly giggling, constantly, they were out of their minds stoned. My understanding is that they they may have, like, just messed everything up for him. Uh, but at the same time, I'm I feel sh- like that's been a constant in the music business for since forever. Giggly girls. Giggly girls. Gi- well, just, like, nuisance hangers on. Yeah. Since, since the beginning of time. Like... I mean, like you think about like like nowadays, you know, somebody somebody goes in, into the studio to make an album, and unless they're like uber professional, it, they're gonna have their group of guys that hangs out with them, or their group of girls, or their group of people that shows up and is like, "Hey, I'm gonna go get Big Macs. Does anybody want some? Oh, hey, let's go get really high instead of you know recording this track like we're, you're supposed to, you know." And I feel like that's happened since the beginning of music. And so, I I mean, while I am completely talking out of my ass about this, I feel like like the people running the studio were perfectly capable of dealing with that. And so it probably just came down to the fact that he just was not good. Well, it's also possible that it was a bullshit. It was just a fake studio time. Oh, yeah. I okay. mean, I, I don't I, – I really I, – I've always gotten the impression that – Charlie being around was a benefit for some, and they just lied their ass off to him. 
And I don't want to give you the impression that Charlie Manson is somebody we should feel sorry for. But we also, I mean, I think as a culture, we kind of all know that the Hollywood scene is kind of two-faced and kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Especially I, nowadays. Especially, we're finding out. especially yeah. nowadays. We're definitely finding that out. But I think definitely back then, when you have real talents like the Beatles out... And then you've got some guy who he can write kind of good music, but he's and he's got an all right voice, but he's definitely not the guy. You, he's not a star. He's scraggly and gross and he spent 20 years in prison and you don't particularly like him beyond the fact that he's, you know, bringing chicks to parties and giving you drugs, you know. So just to keep him happy, they thought, hey, we'll give him some studio time. And then it didn't really happen for him. So this whole thing made Charlie kind of mad. As I mean, it would. As it would, I think maybe if you were the average person, would the average just person would be angry, but they would get over it. Go get drunk and then be better the rest of their. Or they go find somebody else and right and to to help them out. Charlie, I think, held the rage inside of him. This is my. Th- I mean, okay. I want to note that there are a lot of combating theories as to why Charlie Manson ordered the kill, ordered the murders that he ordered. I personally feel like it was it was a vendetta of sorts. And also a a grasping at um, trying to to keep hold of the group that was getting a little bit too out of control. Gotcha. Um, but a lot of people tr- desperately believe the the race war theory, and I do not. And Adrian knows this. I've talked yep, to him yep. about it I actually, yep, many again. times. No, item number three that I that I'm actually aware of is this whole like helter skelter race war thing that ever well I shouldn't say everyone but the, that a fair amount of people believe was what he what spurred the murders and I know that that this is the way you feel and I am thoroughly convinced that you are correct in this and that it because the guy doesn't seem like he like flipped his nut and just went hey uh, we need to start a race war and sit in a bunker until it's all over and then we can repopulate the world. It's like, no, this guy is a shyster. Like, he he's that guy with the honeyed tongue who can, you know, sell, what is it, sell sell ice to an ice Eskimo, so that I think is the saying. And like, this is, this is the guy that could 100% do that. Like, if he had not led a life of crime, he would have been the best used car salesman on the planet kind of thing. And so... Saying that he was trying to start a race war, I feel like is bullshit. I feel like that's a hundred percent what he convinced all of his followers that w- was why they were doing what they were doing, and they fell for it hook, like line, and sinker. But no, that wasn't his real motivation. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent think that that is. And I think that that I mean I'm going to hop ahead here real quick because I think that Charlie Manson has over and over again over the years the reason that he has remained even in I think. Beyond the fact that it was a hor- what happened was horrific, um, his personality has always been quite intriguing to most people. I think people are shocked that this man who could be this man who killed these people or who was the the instrument or the reason behind behind these killings could possibly be so brazen in the way he is generally. And he was a very combative man. He was a very angry man. He was very sh- he wanted like, to shock people. He wanted everyone to be scared of him. But I don't – I personally don't think he was dangerous in the sense of I don't think he would ever have physically assaulted the people he made nervous. I think he just really enjoyed seeing them nervous. Mm-hmm. 
He was just the kind of person who really liked to make people uncomfortable. Well, he, I mean, he seems like he's like the consummate showman. Yeah. You know, like like he puts on a big show, but he's not actually going to follow through on anything that he's talking about. Which, again, leads into that whole, you know, the race war thing that he talks about is bullshit. But, like, I feel – because, like, I – you know, you hear stories about, like, people going to interview him since he's been in jail and, like – you know, he puts on a it basically puts on a yeah. big show f- show for them. He and screams then, and he yeah. yells and he and acts like a crazy like, person. And it's, somebody writes their article and it's like, "Yep, Charlie Manson's still totally batshit crazy." And it's like, no, he just played up exactly what you wanted to see, yep. so that you know when you left, you were just you were scared for your life because this man is in, absolutely insane and has no grip on reality. When in fact, he has a perfect grip on reality and just knows how to play his audience. Exactly. I agree with you 100% about that. And I, in case you don't know what we're talking about, um, <laughs> we should go back a little bit and okay. talk about it. Um, first of all, in 1969, I think it was. I don't know what year the White Album came out. Do you know what year the White I Album? I think it was 1969, but again, I'm talking out of my ass. Yeah, so. the White Album came out, which is a one of the better albums by the Beatles and it's the Beatles were fucking hella good so considered to be one of the Beatles or it's considered to be the Beatles best album it's considered to be one of the best albums ever made in history which I I, I this is not a music podcast so let's not talk about it well we, we should talk about but, what was on the way oh album. yeah for sure I'm but, just saying like like where I was going with that thought was not where we oh, need to go. He's not going to critique the White Album yeah. for you, is basically what he's saying. Well, anyway, I will talk about the one track that I know definitely is on it, and it's a track called Helter Skelter. And apparently, according to the uh, according to Charlie Manson, the Helter Skelter album, the Helter Skelter song, spoke to him in some way that was like the Beatles were the white horsemen of the, or the horsemen of, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And Charlie Manson was going to, he was the bringer of, he was some sort of agent of them. And that he should begin this race war. Yeah, I found it. What year did it come out? Oh, it's probably. Because now I'm suddenly thinking it might have come out in 1968. It did come out in 1960, November 22nd, 1968. <sighs> So these are the songs that are on the White Album. Back in the USSR, which, to be honest, I didn't know was the Beatles song. Uh, Dear Prudence, I don't know that one. I probably do, but I don't. Uh, Obladi Oblada is on that one. I mean, these are, these are really, really, I mean, Charles Manson said that this was like an album that they're talking to him about how a race war should happen. And if you've ever heard... Obladi Oblada. Obladi Oblada. Oblada. Life Goes On. It's a Life Goes On song. It's a very sweet, wonderful, lovely, upbeat song. It's Corky's theme song. It's Corky's theme song, exactly. Um, there's a few here that I don't, that aren't particularly. Ooh, but there's one called Piggies, which will come into play later. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, Sexy Sadie is on this one. Uh Quite a few. There's a song called Everyone's Got Something to Hide Except Me and My Monkey. Well, clearly that's, you know, a not-so-hidden message that you should go out and kill people. I gotta tell you that I don't know enough of these songs. My dad's gonna be really mad at me for that. (laughs) (laughs) My dad loves the Beatles. Anyway, so 
this album, this white album, was supposed to have been this basically this message to Charlie Manson that he, that he needed to start this race war, particularly the song Helter Skelter. And so he started preaching that they needed to go out into the desert and build and dig a hole or some ridiculous shit. And that when this race war started, that they would start. Oh, no, that when the race war started, because they weren't going to, they weren't supposed to start it. They were just supposed to live through it. Right. At first. And so they were supposed to go dig a hole and live underground because what was going to happen is the race war would be won by the black people. And then Charlie Manson told everyone that the black people would be so inept at running their own themselves that they would then, these group of white people would come up and they would rule them or something. They would shit. happily hand the reins over to the white people because obviously the white people know what they're doing. Exactly. It's some, some ridiculous bullshit. And I don't think that Charlie Manson wasn't racist. I'm sure he was. But I don't think that he really truly thought this at all. Right. I truly, th- I, I believe that they were getting to the point where everybody was leaving. That it was, we're getting to like late we're getting we're getting around summer 69 which is when this the murders happened in i believe august yes the murders happened in august and but i think that that what happened was i think towards this time the drug use in the san francisco area had become a problem okay you know i mean like that's the thing about about free love and free happiness and free everything is that after a while it's not all fun and games anymore Eventually, it becomes those damn hippies, well, and then and then there's a problem. Then there's an actual problem because there's actual addiction happening. Right. I mean, and so a lot of these, I think, people were getting just kind of over it. So some people wanted to leave the area altogether. Some people wanted to were so fucked up that they were weren't surviving; they were dying. And I think some people, the people who wanted to stay needed him to give them a reason to stay. And so this helter-skelter bullshit was a reason for them to stay. Now it's a cult. Now they're the chosen ones. Now they're the now there's a reason to stay. And so Charlie was like, let's go further into the desert and I'll keep you guys away from more people. We're earning that, you know, we we don't have the money for for all this stuff. And I think that that's part of it too. Once once the Dennis Will, Will Wilson sh- stopped coming around, probably a lot of these girls were like, I don't give a shit about this guy anymore he doesn't get he doesn't bring me what sure i've got drugs but i could get drugs anywhere because they're so rampant now and sure i could maybe dennis will show up but it's very unlikely now because charlie fell out with him well plus you gotta think that you know a guy like dennis wilson who is there for you know the sex and the drugs he's probably bringing money in into the group which then means that they have money to to buy drugs and buy food and everything and once he stops hanging out then well where's the money coming from now you can't get your food and now you can't get your drugs and so what's the fun in hanging out with this guy exactly and also i think at this time they were kicked out of the ranch i think the owner of the ranch wanted them gone well it was convenient because that just so happened to coincide with the time when charlie told everyone that they needed to go dig a hole in the desert to go live in exactly it's perfect, perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Serendipity at its best. Serendipity, that's right, that's right. So I don't know, to be honest, I don't know what really spurred exactly, but I think there was a an, an issue with drugs and somebody had a problem and Charlie went to go take care of it and it was at a black person's house. And then he ended up stabbing a guy. The guy didn't die, 
But Charlie thought this guy was like a like a Black Panther or something. Like you do. But the guy wasn't a Black Panther. It was just some dude who lived at a drug house. And uh, Charlie started panicking and thought, oh, well, this is a great opportunity. Because I think then their, one of their friends was killed. And then he's like, oh, this is a great opportunity to start the race war, get everybody thinking that the race war is going to... I mean, like, he did... I think after a while he started to buy into his bullshit, you know, or the kids were pushing him. I'm not really... I mean, it's possible the kids were just pushing him. Right, right. Because they're like, well, look at this, what happened? We've got to start, you know, whatever. We've got to be a part of it. And so he said, okay, why don't you go kill people at this... Go to... Terry's old house. So Terry Melcher was this guy who had, this producer who had kind of fucked uh, Charles over. And he's like, go over to, to Melcher's house and kill everybody in the house. And so Susan Atkins, Linda Kasabian, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Charles Tex Watson got into a car and drove to this house and essentially started to kill people a little bit at a time. Now, the thing is, is that in his head, I, I don't know. I think that Charlie knew that Terry didn't live there anymore. He just sent them to an address he knew. Okay. And so what that what unfortunately happened is that Roman Polanski was the current owner of the house, and his wife Sharon Tate, who at the time was I think not quite as famous as she could have been, but would eventually would have if she had not died, been quite. A star. I think we would probably be seeing her in Game of Thrones now. You know, like, she would be old enough now that, like, we'd be seeing old lady stuff from her. But right. she, unfortunately, she was eight and a half months pregnant. Um, but that, that night, she'd actually also had a, she, I don't think it was necessarily a party because she was pregnant. So I don't think she would be having wild parties, especially eight right. and a half months. But she had people over. So she had, she had several of her friends over. He was ha- she was having a, my husband's out having sex with teenagers well he was out he was definitely out of the country he may have been having sex with teenagers we all know who roman polanski is based on the fact that he had sex with a 12 year old girl when he like three years after sharon died so i think it's possible that maybe they would have divorced eventually right who knows but but anyway so she had other friends at her house plus she had i think like a like a guy who was just kind of watching their house so they you know i don't know like a like a house person it reminds me a lot of the the people who weren't in the house. The situation reminds me a lot of like Cato Kalin and like exactly what and I Ron Goldman. Yeah. There was a, it was a bad situation, but anyway. So the night that of Sharon Tate's death, other people in the house were Abigail Folger, who was the heir to the Folgers. Um, it would have been better if her name was Crystal. Oh Christ! <laughs> uh, Gary Hinman, uh, Stephen Parent. Stephen Parent, I think, was somebody who was. Just kind of, I think he was like a like a chauffeur or something. He wasn't anybody. He was wasn't a shocking person. He was just a guy who was just there, maybe staying. I, I don't remember. There's, Some guy with a driver's license. Yeah, Jay Sebring, um, Donald Shea, and then there's a name I can't pronounce. It's Woodsech Furkowski. Adrian might be able to say it. Oh no, that is a, a Polish name if I've ever seen one. Yeah. So it's. Vo something. Vocek? Maybe. Vo- Vocek Frakowski. Okay. Well, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. 
Uh, but that's who died that night. And really who, what happened was, and also Sharon and her daughter and her unborn child. I don't know if it was a daughter. <sighs> we'll just say it was a daughter Actually, to, to, to be make honest, it sadder. Vocek may not be, may not have died in the house. I, let's not. There were several people who died that night. And it's very important that we remember them because on a day like today and the kind of person that Charlie Manson was, we tend to only hear about him. And if, when we other than him, we hear about Sharon because she was quite famous, quite beautiful, and she was pregnant. But there's all these other people who but died. But there's so many others who died in such a violent way. And what these kids did, what these what the family kids did, is they went through and they stabbed and punched and killed these people in the most violent way that I have ever heard. They just massacred these people with knives, with bats, with, I don't think that they even shot anybody. It was, I think they may have hung someone, but for the most part, they just went through the house and massacred everyone in the house. I feel like if ever the term brutalized was, was appropriate, it would be now. Absolutely. And I believe, because Susan Atkins is the one who killed Sharon Tate, and I believe that as she was stabbing her, Sharon was like, please stop killing me. I'm pregnant. I have a child. Please stop killing my baby. Please stop, stop, stop. Susan Atkins said, I don't give a shit about your baby, bitch, or I don't care about your baby, bitch, and just kept killing her. And to me, that is one of the most heartless, obnoxious things. So when people say, when people talk about the women who were involved in the the Manson murders, because they're called the Manson murders, Mm -hmm. they talk about these women because they consider them to have been manipulated. But these aren't the kind of girls who didn't want to do this to begin with. They absolutely were out for blood that night. I don't care if they were on drugs. You don't kill people because some guy who you look up to and gives you drugs tells you to kill people randomly. You know? Right. You don't go, hey, okay, we'll go randomly kill a woman who's almost to term with her child and all of her friends for no fucking reason. You just don't do that. So I have no sympathy when they talk about these girls who the girls who are still in prison because a lot of them are still alive. Um, I don't have a bit of sympathy the way that other people do. I've seen a lot of times that people are like, "Oh, well, they were manipulated by Charlie, so they deserve to be out of prison." And I was like, "No, they don't. They were willing to kill people for no fucking reason at all. Right? If there was like." hey, that person had hurt them, or they, and they had been manipulated into thinking that these people had hurt Charlie in some way. I could definitely believe that. Even if, you know, like now they were like remor- remorseful about it. Like I realized that I got manipulated and I feel bad about what I did. But I, I, I feel like we've talked about this before and like none of them are at all. I think they are, but it's all bullshit. Yeah. It's, you know, it's... No, I'm, I'm talking about like genuinely. It's not like... Because everybody says, oh, I feel bad about what I did. But like, or, oh, I, um, how many people are actually remorseful about the shit they exactly. do? Well, unfortunately, the next morning when they woke up, when they went back to the to the ranch, they or they get all the newspapers, you know, and there is no mention of mention the murders. Of, well, I think there's a mention of the murders, but there's no mention of like a race war. Ah. So didn't they write a bunch of goofy shit on the walls to try and incite the race mm. war, but it was all dumb shit? Like, it was like pigs and they spe- and Helter Skelter, but they spelled Helter Skelter wrong. Right. Is my, wait, I want to, I just want to make sure. 
because it may not have been. Because I, I feel like oh, they wrote "pig" on the front door of the of the house in Tate's blood because Manson had told the women to leave a sign, something witchy. Unfortunately, this is me shaking my head. This is this is like one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Like, like, hey, we want to frame black people for this murder so that we can get this race war going. Yeah. I'm going to write pig on the wall in blood. I'm going to write helter skelter. Like that doesn't make any sense. I can't believe. Oh no. Furkowski was definitely killed in that house. I could, I would read you the descriptions, but you don't want to know them. Like if you want to know that the murders, you can look at the books, you can look up the murder. I'm not going to talk about how these people were murdered. Just know that they were murdered and it was violent and it was horrible. And that, oh, there was a gun, but they didn't really shoot anybody. They just beat everybody with with that, and they stabbed everybody else. So, good people. So, what's... Free love. Um, yeah. I feel like Charlie Manson single-handedly ended, like, the hippie movement. You're not wrong. Mainstream. You're absolutely not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. This was when it died. Okay. August of 1969. It was a summer of love, and then on August 8th, 1969, the summer of love died. All the hippies had to go back to school. It was a new new year. And they were all freshmen in high school. So it was pretty much the worst. Well, the next day, like I said, they went to... They decided that they needed to do another murder. And Because uh, why not? Well, because it didn't have the effect that they thought it was going to have. Exactly, yeah. So they went to another place. I don't really know why they went... Why they picked the LaBianca house. Um, I think I thought I had read at some point that it was um, a house that Dennis Wilson had lived in, but I, I'm probably wrong. So don't correct me on that too much. Um, well, at this point, they're trying to start the race war. Maybe it's just because they were, sounded like they were foreigners. I mean, who knows? It's all dumb logic at this point anyway. I don't know. But anyway, so the LaBianca is the, the... Not that it was ever smart logic that ever was involved with the Charlie Manson murders. There really was no good logic. No. But Leo, I, I think it's Leo LaBianca was like a... He was like the CEO... The king of alliteration? He was the king of grocery stores or something. He was some sort of like... He was like a grocer. He was some rich grocer guy. He wasn't like anybody important at all i mean he was important but he wasn't i mean was he a slasher of prices (laughs) but anyway they went to his house and they charlie went with them that time and he tried to kill he tried to because he felt like he already had blood on his hands so he might as well go Mm -hmm. and i think he was supposed to have stabbed leo but couldn't or something like he just didn't have a stomach for it so he got in a car and fucking left and told them to make it bloody or something. And this is where they wrote Helter Skelter. And this is where they wrote, like, Death to Pigs and things like that. It was just like, because they were trying to connect them. Right. But what's really funny is, I mean, it's not funny because none of this is funny. I mean, it is some of it's funny, but not all. Most of it's not funny. The deaths are not funny. Okay. Nobody ever connected the murder, or they didn't connect the murders together until after the arrests until susan atkins started talking to people which is how they got bought, how they got caught uh-huh. and that that was like not even that was like five or six months later it wasn't even right away they so had no idea it was, was it was it just poor police work or was it just that they were so dumb and didn't 
do things in such a way to make it obvious that they were connecting the murderers. I think the thing of it is is that I think that when it came to the to Sharon Tate and that stuff is they thought it was like an enemy of Roman Polanski. Uh-huh. And when it came to the to the LaBiancas, I think he may have been involved in some mob stuff. Okay. So it was like like they looked at other things first. It never occurred to them that this hippie commune that lived outside of the city would right, but be the I mean, ones who killed just, them. Like the connection of like writing shit on the walls in blood or whatever. I think like, that they thought it was just a you know group of dumbasses. They saw it in the paper and they thought they thought it was a copycat. Gotcha. And because because there was nothing else linking no. the two groups together. Okay, that makes sense. No, I, I I get that, but it's just like, how do you? I don't know. Like it, I'm, it's I'm, I'm so frustrated about the fact that like, why would you go and be like, oh, we're gonna try and connect the murders. Let's just do everything basically different, essentially, except for like write shit on the walls. But I think they stabbed them. I don't think it oh, was yeah, like no, a thing. But where... like, but like when you, you can't, you can't. Well, first of all, I I feel like you can't establish an mo when when like everyone's dying a different way and it's all of them are equally horrific and brutal. And then you go to another house and there's some more people that just got killed. But like the only thing that that, that is the same between the two is that they just wrote some shit on the walls, but they didn't even write the same shit on the walls. Like how the fuck do you make that a, a link? Well, I also think it's possible. I mean, I don't really know how the LA detective stuff works. Right. But is it possible, is L.A. similar to New York in the sense that, like, maybe the Tate murders happen in a different area of L.A.? I would imagine that so. That the cops wouldn't have spoken to each other? Because L.A. is quite sprawling, yeah. yes? Yeah. So it's it's definitely not a—I mean, it's possible that they just didn't really connect the murders because they— It was two different precincts. It was 1969. Yeah. And— you didn't have the internet you had or any sort of like connection, like a database system. You just had guys working in case. Right. So no, yeah. I, I wonder I, if that's yeah, it, you know? Yeah, that, that probably played a part in it. But also, you know, if you're going to, I mean, like there's, you got to do more. I feel like you got to do more to make a two separate murder instances linked in the minds of the cops than just, oh, there's shit written on the wall in blood. Well, we are also talking about Teenagers and an idiot. They're all drug-addled too. I mean, like, I'm, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware of that, and it's just, it's like, it's like, it's like doing, like, when you do your job, like, you don't go and get drunk to do your job. You don't get high to go do your job. If you want to do a good job at your job, you don't. Yeah. You, you do. You focus on it to make sure you do a good job. If you, I hate that I'm that I'm basically defending trying to defend Charlie Manson and his crew. But like, but like if you're going to go do a murder and you want to link it to the other murder and you want to make sure that it's linked, motherfucker, be sober and figure out ahead of time yeah. what you're going to do but to I link feel the like... murders. So that way you can sit there and not in the, in the heat of the moment of having just murdered somebody trying to decide what is a good enough idea to do in order to link the murders. I mean, I do wonder, though, if if it was more of a, they took drugs so that they could do the murders. Well, it sounds like they were just on drugs all the time, even before they were doing the murders, and so it just feels like one of those things where it's like, hey, you guys, you're all high right now. Here, have some more drugs. Okay, now let's go do this thing. And they're like, yeah, totally. 
I do want to talk a little bit, though, about Tex Watson, because he is often forgotten in this situation. Uh, he drove the girls both nights. Um, he was essentially Charlie Manson's um, second. He's his buddy, you know. His uh, homeboy. There was lots his of... His lieutenant. I don't want to give the impression that it was just Charlie and girls. Right. Um, there, Charlie had lots of male friends. So I think we, we don't talk about Tex Watson very much, and I don't know why, because, but I think part of it is because he wasn't a girl. I think that we, like, oftentimes, I, I'm kind of changing my attitude right now all of a sudden, that a lot of times, because we only remember these girls, because they're still alive, a lot of them are still alive, um, I think even Tex is still alive. But he's so quiet about everything, and he wasn't obnoxious. He wasn't so hardcore with Charlie. Because the girls, like, once Charlie carved that swastika on his forehead, all the girls did it. When Charlie shaved his head, all the girls did it. Wasn't that all during the trial? That was all during the trial, yeah. yeah. Again, consummate showman. And Tex kind of didn't. He just kind of let it be and i think that we forget about him for that but also um he's not because he's not sexy and you know it's not sexy and hot to have a dude talk about a dude all the time but there was a man who was fully involved in the murders and it wasn't charles manson charles manson may have ordered the murders the tex watson was part of the reason that they happened and i think that we need to not forget about him but also i think maybe in my head all these years i've been giving him too much credit because I don't think he's he's as important. Worth noting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're noting him in this podcast to note that he is not noteworthy. But I also want to talk about the fact that um, that when we talk about Charlie Manson as a as a country, as people, Adri- again, Adrian at the very beginning of this podcast noted that she knew that Charlie Manson had killed people. Yeah. What a dummy. And it's not. That you're dumb. It's that this is what everyone thinks. He's noted as a serial killer. He's noted as as one of the worst killers in in U.S. history. Charles Manson maybe has killed people, but they're not the people that were known that we know his family or the his family quotes killed. Um, it has always bothered me that he, because even if he was had killed these people it wouldn't have been a serial killing it would have been a spree killing and so it's absolute because that's two nights spree kill it's they didn't kill anybody before or after that right in such an obvious way they also like i i think we put too much epicness on this man who did nothing except for act like an idiot and an asshole right and a showman as adrian said because he manipulated some kids into doing some stupid shit and some kids who were already kind of fucked up in their own ways. I mean, I could go into detail about all of the kids who were involved in this in a totally separate podcast because we're not going to sit here for two, two hours and talk about the people who were involved in this murder. But we have to stop as – and I'm almost, I'm almost glad. I know it's probably not okay to say you're glad somebody's dead, but I'm, I think with, with the exception of Charlie Manson, I think we could say – I'm glad he's dead because now maybe we can stop making him into this hero. He's not a fucking gunslinger in the Wild West. He's a person who convinced people to kill because he didn't want to lose those people. And also because he was butthurt about not being a famous musician. Exactly. 
this isn't an epic person. The only reason he's infamous, as infamous as he is, in my opinion, is because he is a baby boomer era killer. And because because of their murders, the hippie movement essentially died. But that hippie movement was already dying. It just put an end to it six months faster than it was, than it would have died before. I don't have any sympathy for Charlie Manson. And as much as I kind of know more about him than probably people are comfortable with me knowing, I have all my life been disgusted by him. Because, and I think that's one of the reasons I've been so intrigued by him is because he's scary, but he's not scary. He's interesting, but he's not interesting. He's one of those, he's a guy who if you knew him, you'd do, you wouldn't give a fuck about him. So, or you'd just be like, Charlie's a bit not okay to have around because he was been, he's been to prison and he's a little fucked up and all of his girlfriends are fucking gross or they're fucking high all the time and total, all they do is giggle. But don't invite him to the party. Right. You know, like I just don't, and I think that that I I hope that despite the fact that I am definitely doing this because he died and I am definitely thinking about him more because he died and I'm sure everyone else is who is interested in this sort of thing that I hope that we can now kind of move on and stop acting like this is the coolest murder that ever happened. It was just a Hollywood era murder and there are a lot more I guess cool is the wrong word, but that's kind of the way it feels that people, way people treat this. Act about it, yeah. Like, oh, Charlie Manson is so cool, and Sharon Tate was so gorgeous, and she was, she was so beautiful. Adrian's never seen a picture of her. I was, I wanted to show him her and get his reaction of her. I mean, she really was beautiful, but she was gorgeous. Yeah. Like, as far as I mean, this is a woman who we'd probably, she'd probably be still in stuff now mm-hmm. she'd probably still be in the shape she was in then i hope i like to think but i think that's the thing is we all try to we all think of her as a legend now right but i don't know she a single fucking yeah. movie she was in but i think that she was in good movies because i've heard very much very many good things about her talent mm-hmm. so and i think she may have been set up to be in a hitchcock movie or something next or something is she she was maybe i think maybe on the cusp of hitting it big and the poor woman died. Mm-hmm. And it's good that we remember her. It's good that we remember her. Right. But we have to remember other people, too. We have to remember Jay Sebring, who was, I believe, a makeup artist or a hairdresser. We have to remember that guy whose name I can't remember already because it's so fucking complicated. The Polish guy. The Polish guy. <laughs> we have to remember these people. We have to Chris, re- Crystal Folger. Crystal Folger. It was Abigail Folger. But I think of anybody, she's the other one you remember. We have to remember the people who were victims of this crime for no reason. And we have to stop pretending like the women who were involved in this crime were good. And we have to stop pretending like Charlie Manson was this fucking epic human being. When the reality of it is he was a piece of shit who got a bunch of other pieces of shit to do a shitty thing. Yep, I agree. In the words of the Joker in the first Batman movie, I'm glad you're dead. Fucking A. that we note how stupid people are. Okay. (sighs) 
Marilyn Manson mourned on Twitter, confusing him for dead mass murderer Charles. <laughs> so I'm confused. This is from, the, from Newsweek, and it's not a very well-written article, so please bear with me, okay? Some confused netizens took to social media to mourn the death of beautiful people singer Marilyn Manson. The problem with their bereavement was that this singer hadn't died. Rather, it was notorious cult leader and mass murderer Charles Manson. The misunderstanding between Marilyn Manson and Charles Manson, who was imprisoned in 1971 for orchestrating the 1969 deaths of seven people, likely stemmed from the rocker's stage name. Marilyn Manson, whose birth name is Brian Warner, blended the names of actress Marilyn Monroe and and a serial killer to create his public persona. You know, the, the, the entire band did that. I do know the entire band did that. And I actually like a lot of the other names better. Yeah. Uh, there's like Twiggy. Oh, fuck. It's the Night Stalker. Is it the Night Stalker? I can't remember. But they all have, they're all, they're just as cute. Marilyn Manson is a good name. Don't get me wrong. Right. But like, but I just thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. That there oh, are yeah. people in this world who really, who saw Charlie Manson and they thought Marilyn Manson. Like, because, and it's probably people who have no fucking idea who Charlie Manson is. Right. Which is hilarious. And also, I'm glad that kids don't know who Charlie Manson is. Right. That goes to my point, is I hope that we forget him and forget him fast. Yep. But anyway. Um, I just, I, speaking of musicians, I just, I remember um, when I was a kid, uh, Guns N' Roses came out, out with an album and they covered a Charlie Manson song on it. And I th- I'm pretty sure it was the same album that they started like a Charlie Manson relief fund or something like that where you could donate money to give to Charlie Manson's legal fund or something like that. What? I don't I this is vague haunting memories of my childhood. Um but the 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 album was The Spaghetti Incident if I remember correctly, which was like the worst Guns N' Roses album ever made, which is saying something. Um, I'm actually going to play Charles Manson singing. There's a time for living. The time keeps on flying. Think you're loving, baby, and all you do. Also, I think I'm pretty sure the Beach Boys stole the song from him, which I don't know the song offhand, but I know they changed the lyrics a little bit, but I, I think I'm pretty sure they, they changed or they stole the song from him, which I, I guess goes to, I'd be a little fucking irritated too. Oh yeah, no doubt. But I'm sure that they made, I'm sure they recorded it after he died well, or after, he didn't, not after he died because it would be today Yeah. and half of the Beach Boys are dead. That's probably not true either. I don't know anything about the Beach Boys. Sorry. Anyway, y'all, that is Charlie Manson singing and my very funny story about how Marilyn Manson was mistaken for Charlie Manson today, and people are really fucking dumb. Yes, they are.